turn to the book of Hebrews at the end of the New Testament as we continue in our series, Jesus, the greatest of all time. And it's quite amazing as we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through this book, that we come to what I believe to be the exclamation point of the entire book. What we're going to read in our passage this morning is that Jesus Christ, though he was dead and he was buried, we're going to be told that he now resides at the right hand of the throne of God, having finished his race having done so perfectly, while it doesn't say in our passage anything about the resurrection, what we see is a Jesus who is alive, who is well, and who is being worshipped in heaven as we speak today. We join a chorus of angels in worshipping Jesus as the champion of champions. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, and what we're going to hear about today is the crowning of a champion in a coronation service that's going on because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead and a challenge that we've been given to run like Jesus did the race that's marked for us. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Look to the screen and you can follow along. Therefore, that is in light of all that we've been learning out of the book of Hebrews, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us uh, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What we have in this passage is the crowning of a champion. There is something awesome about crowning champions. I love athletics and I love watching championship matches. Uh, Here in the days to come, we're going to crown a new NCAA champion after all the March Madness is over. Now, I got to tell you, it has been an incredible March Madness. If you didn't watch the second game last night, uh, go find it on DVR. It is a game to remember. But tomorrow, someone's going to hold the trophy up high and be announced the champion of all of the nation, the number one college in basketball. But as a kid growing up, the highlights of my growing up experience were the championships. I I go back to 1985 and Mike Dicka leading uh, the Super Bowl champs over the the Patriots. And then I think of the 90s as, as I watched Michael Jordan win not one or two, but six championships with the Bulls. And then as I've gotten older in these recent years, we've seen the Blackhawks win not one, but two or three now Stanley Cup championships. But none of that can compare. All of that pales in comparison to 2016 when my Cubs finally won uh, the World Series, right? What a what a time. What a great time of celebration. Now, I'm forgetting one. That's right. The Chicago Fire soccer team also won a championship. We've already lost some people who are heading for the doors. By the way, we were told last week, all Sox fans, there's another campus. It's called the Plano campus. You you can tell Steve I sent you, by the way. Oh, with all of that, what a glorious thing to celebrate championships. Even the White Sox have won a championship. We celebrate 
a championship like no other in the church. We celebrate the championship of Jesus Christ. Now, notice in your text, you're like, okay, Tim, where do you get that? There's a biblical way that I get there. The passage says that Jesus is two things. He is the author and perfecter or founder and perfecter of our faith. Those words put together literally in the Greek, in fact, the New Living Translation puts it this way. He's the champion of champions. He's the champion of faith. Why? Because he ran the race. He ran the race and he ran it with perfection and now he is exalted as the one who has finished the race and has been declared the victor. He's the winner. Now, as we celebrate Easter, there are two things we do. Number one, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like I said, nowhere in the passage does it say resurrection. But we get the inference of what is going on, even though resurrection isn't in our text. First of all, we see this issue of endurance. Notice, Jesus endured the cross. And so we hearken our way back to Good Friday. Jesus hanging on the cross, scorning the shame of being killed and being put on trial for crimes he didn't commit and dying a criminal's death. Jesus endured that. But if you have your Bibles, if you just went one verse over to verse 3 of chapter 12, you see that the cross and the shame of the cross wasn't the only enduring that he needed to do. Notice he endured such hostility. Hostility in his life and in his ministry that would have caused, the writer of Hebrews says, for many of us to grow weary and lose heart. You see, the celebration of Easter, let us not forget that the celebration of Easter entails all of Jesus' life, all of it. The trials, the temptation, the times of triumph. Jesus endured. Now, why did he endure? He did because what was required of him was to live like us, to be like us, so that he could die for us But in order to do that, he needed to run the race with perfection. And we're told he did. Now, how do we know that Jesus ran the race with perfection? Because there's an exaltation that happens at the end of our passage. We are told that once Jesus endured the cross and scorned its shame, we're told he went into the grave. But wait a minute. If he went into the grave, how can the writer of Hebrews say that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God? This is the reason, my friends, because the grave is empty. Because he's no longer dead. He's alive and he ascended to heaven and he resides right now in the company of angels and the great cloud of witnesses that we read about in verse 1. He resides in ongoing praise and worship as being the champion of champions. So on Easter, we remember the endurance of our Lord and Savior, his running the race well. But we rejoice that not only did he finish the race, but the Father in heaven has placed him in the place of greatest prominence and preeminence, the right hand, that place of honor. And since the day of the resurrection, Jesus has been exclaimed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Right now, a heavenly audience is saying, worshiping and saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. You see, one of the first things that any victorious team does is even maybe before the game is fully completed, but the the plan, the, the, 
the end of the game is already uh, decided, they'll grab that Gatorade container and they'll pour it over their head coach. I wonder on that Easter Sunday if the angels didn't grab a celestial Gatorade cup and throw it all over heaven, announcing and rejoicing that the devil had been defeated, sin had been conquered, and the grave had been destroyed. It's an exaltation. It is a time of coronation. This is when God the Father rolled out the red carpet and held a parade for the champion of champions, Jesus Christ. Now, if we were to stop there, we would remain spectators. So the author of Hebrews says, all right, worship Jesus for all that he is and all that he has done and and how he is residing in heaven now. But church, don't forget, he lays forth a challenge, a challenge for us to run our race. Yes, Jesus has run his race and he's finished the race and he's done so perfectly, But now we have a race that we need to run as well. The author says, all right, now you are to run your race, the race that's marked out for you and me. What is that race? That race is living a life, trusting and relying wholly on Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, how do we run that race well? Now, what we've gotten is two great examples. We've gotten imperfect examples out of Hebrews 11. If you have your Bible, look back and see all the times that it says, by faith, so-and-so, and and by faith, so-and-so. We get these imperfect examples. But in chapter 12, we get the perfect example of Jesus. So we've got people that have run the race before us. We can model our running after them. And here's some of the lessons we learn along the way from these imperfect ones and from Jesus, the perfect runner of the race. What they show us is is that there are three things, the author says, we need to do to run our race well. Write these down. Number one, if we want to run well and finish well, we need to let go of all our baggage. Notice the author says, okay, as we run this race, we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Those are two different things that are happening there. We've got these weights, and we've got this sin. So let's, let's deal with each of them because they're different, all right? First of all, the weights are the bags or the extra pounds that a runner might have that might slow them down. Uh, to run a race well, you want to be as light as you can be, whether it's light from a body standpoint or light from a clothing standpoint. You watch the Olympics and the ancient runners of the Olympics. uh, They nearly ran naked. Why? They wanted no encumbrances to keep any drag that would not allow them to run the race well. So they needed to lay aside those things. In essence, disrobe themselves so they could have nothing that would hinder their running. When Amanda and I had gotten married, we, we got married right after Christmas, and we spent a, a couple days here and uh, celebrating before our, our uh, time away on our honeymoon, and Amanda had recently gotten a 40-piece suitcase set. I mean, there was a bag for everything. And Amanda wanted to make sure that she was a good steward of this set, so she packed everything in each of these bags. So that's fine, okay? We don't have to go very far from the the curb of the airport to the uh, ticket counter. 
Here's the problem. The day we were leaving, about 10 inches of snow hit that morning. And we were late getting to uh, the airport. And when we got to the ticket counter, they said, sorry, your plane is boarding. You're going to have to take your bags and check them uh, at, the, at the plane which meant your pastor had to run. Literally, I had bags around my neck running at full speed, which isn't very fast, but running at full speed. My wife, God bless her, she had her purse, and she's ahead of me. And she's saying, hurry up, man. We're going to miss our plane. Can I tell you, with all of that baggage, by the way, I need a place to stay uh, for Easter. With all of that baggage, I couldn't run very well that's the same thing in life. We carry these things in our lives that keep us from running the race well. Now, this weight that he's talking about, they're good things. It's family. It's your job. It's your uh, pursuits. It's your dreams. All the things that God says are good. They're there for our enjoyment. But the Bible says we need to be careful because there's a lot of things we can seek after in the world. But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first him and his kingdom. And so we have to ask the question, I don't. I want you to create lists, because we always do a real good job of creating the lists of weights that other people need to throw off. We don't want any of those lists on us. But maybe we need to ask the Lord today, how am I running? And are there things that are getting in the way from me running it well? Now notice the text tells us that it's not just these weights, but we've got to throw off or get rid of any sin that clings a hold of us. Notice the phrase says it clings so closely. Uh, another translation says it easily entangles. These are things that trip us up. These are things that can cause us to be disqualified. The weights distract us, but the sins disqualify us. Disqualify us from what? From enjoying the race, enjoying the journey. You see, uh, a runner uh, who steps out of his lane is going to be called disqualified. And that's what happens when we go after sins, pride, lust, uh, evil thoughts, evil words, uh, uh, focusing in on ourselves and instead of others. Now, we all do them, and each of us have different sins that cling closely to us, but we've got to throw those things off. Some of the translations say, toss, throw, rid yourself of, of these sins. You don't want to be around them at all, and here's why. Because the devil has thrown those things down as temptations to trip you up to tempt you. And the Bible says the devil does it so he can seek to lie, steal, and destroy. How many runners have been tripped up by the sins around? Now again, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the sin that is easily entangling me, that's clinging so closely to me? What's that sin that I'm unwilling to give up? We need to rid ourselves of it. Now, as we do, as we throw off the clothing that's going to hamper us or hinder us, and as we rid ourselves by the grace and by the strength that Christ gives us, living out as he did in Matthew chapter 4, using the word as the defense towards the devil's temptations, we then need to move. Once we've got the right wardrobe on to run the race, the Bible says we've got to now leave it all on the field or leave it all on the track. What that means is, notice the phrase, he says, now we need to run our race with endurance. Now, we've seen this word endurance already. Notice in the text again that it tells us that Jesus, this founder and perfecter, the champion of the faith, 
with joy, he endured the cross. So just as Jesus' journey was filled with endurance, that word endurance, by the way, means grit, tenacity, literally agonizing. This isn't a fun run. Some of you have done a, a short little uh, kilometer race of uh, where they throw paint at you. They call it a, a, a fun run. This is not a fun run. This is not a casual walk. This is at times an agonizing run for our Savior. But like Jesus... He left it all out on the field. He gave every ounce of what he had. He, he talked about it, it being uh, the very essence of all that he could give, even asking the Father if this cup could pass over, that he would, he would be willing for it to be taken away from him. But it doesn't, and he runs the race. You've no doubt seen runners, usually in longer races, where they've exerted all the energy, and they've gotten to the finish line only to collapse at the end of the journey. We know this of Jesus. Jesus, like a drink offering, was being poured out on the cross. He gave all of it. And at the end of the race, after he had said it is finished, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he gave up his spirit. I want you to think that he came to the finish line and fell down exhausted, paying for the sins of you and I and being the ransom that God had required for sins to be cleansed and forgiven. Likewise, we need to do that. Now, here's the problem. Here's the issue that we run into. We find ourselves running casually. We give ourselves to other things. We give our things to activities. We give our things to dreams and desires. We give our, thing, our, our running uh, to sin. And we, we expend all our energy on those things, on taking care of self, that we forget that this race is not of our choosing, but it's the race that's been marked out for us. What that means is, is God has a unique race for you. It has been set before you. God chooses the track. A lot of times we look at other runners and we get distracted because we like the track they're running on. They don't have the hurdles and the obstacles along the way. We see and we go, hey, they seem to have it easier. I, I want to be like them. I don't want to run the race. That, in my race, it's hard. My race is enduring sweating. My race endures perspiring to no end and, and being hurt along the way. Let us recognize that not all our races are the same. In these last two weeks, we've held two funerals. One for Lauren Burroughs, a man who died of complications from COVID, and he was in his 50s. Yesterday, we did a, a uh, funeral for a 29-year-old mom of two. Uh, think of the race that those family members right now are running. The anguish, the sorrow, the, the pain and the loss. Listen, a lot of times we want to compare our race and we complain and we belittle other people's run, running and races and we forget that God has marked different races. And so our job isn't to bellyache about where we're at on the track. Our job is to run the race well, to give it all we've got. Now, how do we run and how do we run well? The author gives us one final thing and that is we have to look to Jesus every step of the way. Now, I know there's one truth that is 
consistent across every person that's here today. We're all running a race. The question is, on this Easter Sunday, are you running for yourself, or are you running for someone else? The Bible says that every person enters the race, but only some will receive the prize. The author says we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to focus in on Jesus. We need to look to Jesus. What that means is you will never finish your race. You will never run it well if you're running your race apart from Jesus. So on this Easter Sunday, you've got a decision to make. Will you run this race on your own? Yes, you'll get all the accolades. Yes, you'll get all of the praise. Wow, look at how they're running. But I will tell you something, and I've known this in my 44 years on earth. There are trials and troubles that come your way that without God, without Christ in your life, you'll never be able to endure them. And so what the Bible says is we need to look to Jesus. That means take our eyes off of ourselves. Stop thinking we can do it all on our own. Jesus came and he died and he was raised from the dead so that you and I might have life, so that we might be able to run the race that's been marked out for us and to finish it. So maybe this morning you're running by yourself. I implore you today to start running this with Jesus. Asking Jesus to come and lead and guide you. Asking Jesus to give you the strength and the salvation that will forgive you of your sins that easily entangle and the weights that lay, uh, that need to be laid aside so that you can run, just like Jesus did, the race that's marked out for you. Without Jesus, we'll never be able to do it. Without Jesus, we're going to get injured and we're going to get hurt along the way. We need the champion of champions who for the joy set before him endured the cross and made a way, listen, for you and I to run our race and be victorious. Listen, this is what Easter is all about. Jesus finished his race and you and I can finish our race as well. And we won't receive the seat of prominence or preeminence that Jesus did. He alone sits at the right hand of the Father. But as you and I cross the finish line, whether it's today or 70 years from now, whenever we cross that finish line, we will hear our Heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so run with Jesus. Celebrating what He has done and being resurrected from the grave and allowing that challenge to fall on you to let go of the baggage, to leave it all on the field, and at each and every moment, looking to Jesus, who's going to see you through. Amen? Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you for this incredible truth, this incredible passage of Scripture. And I ask, Lord, first, that if anyone is running their race of life by themselves today, that today they would stop and give their lives to Jesus that they would receive Christ and the salvation he brings. If, Lord, they have questions about that or want help in doing that, that they would seek someone out before they leave and say, I want Jesus to run with me. For those who are already in this race and they're tired and, and they're sore, I pray, Lord, that they would look to you. You've finished the race. And you have now been celebrated as the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we would look to you and not to ourselves so that we may be victorious and hear those faithful words, well done, good and faithful servant.
We love you, and we ask for your blessing now as we go on another leg of the journey. You'll never leave us or forsake us and give us the strength we need to finish it for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.